What we need to do to shift, as you said, to, to kind of map that journey and create that buyer journey that leverages content is we need more individuals in the organization to take a focus to content experience. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. If you've listened to the show for a while, you know I talk a great deal about experience. It's a hot button topic for me from sales experience to marketing experience and beyond. We're in an arena where B2B buyers, where people in general are voting with their wallets based on the experience that resonate with them, how it influences their buying decisions. Today, we're gonna tackle the content experience, the impression and impact the content you create, share, or reference can have in your revenue generating activities. To help us, we're lucky enough to have Randy Frisch, CMO at Uberflip, sought-after speaker, and author of the best-selling book, Fuck Content Marketing. Randy, thank you for taking the time and welcome to the show. Chad, I'm thrilled to be here. I mean, like I, in very Jerry Maguire fashion, I could have said like you had me at experience, but, like, <laughs> but, but every part of, of your podcast name, like B2B revenue executive, I mean, this is, this is awesome. I'm, I'm excited to dig in. Perfect. So we always start with a little bit of an odd question just so our, our audience can get to know you a little bit. And I don't know why, but for some reason I've been on this hobby or passion kick. What do you do outside of work that people who know you as the speaker or the author or the CMO might be surprised to learn about? What are you passionate about other than content experience? Sure. Uh, that's a fun one. So so when, I, when I'm not working, which is a lot of the time, I, I, I've got three kids and an amazing wife, uh, and my three kids are 11, 9, and 7. Now, my boys are, are the, on the outside, so it's, it's kind of easy for me to bond with them. They're boys. I'm Canadian, so you know, <laughs> I do everything Canadian. I'll probably drop some A's without realizing it, but you know, I, I coach hockey for them, so that's, that's a passion. But I think the more interesting one people will not assume even if they know me, is that the way I bond with my daughter is, uh, so she's in like a competitive dance situation and she does like 11 dances at the end of your competition. But the one that is most, you know, most anticipated is the father-daughter combo. And uh, yeah, we actually start rehearsals for this year's big performance on Wednesday of this week. So I'm, you know, I, I'm like in stretching mode last year, we were actually the top father daughter combo. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, we won the award. And, and I, I like for those who know me, they'll know, like I have zero coordination. It's, it's <laughs> all, but it's all stage presence. It's this what it comes down to. <laughs> that is that is great. That is uh, that's probably one of the most unique ones I've heard, but uh, also very endearing and authentic. So I appreciate you sharing that uh, with myself and the audience. So now let's talk a little business. How about a little bit more context around Uberflip and how you found yourself, you know, running the company? Because I'm pretty sure that when we were all kids playing with our toys around the holidays, nobody said, "Hey, I want to be in in sales or marketing or digital marketing or content marketing." So help us understand the journey a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, to your point and, you know, to the point of this podcast, which is about B2B revenue execs, so those of us tuning in, I mean, none of us, like, thought that was sexy when we were you know, <laughs> 12, 13 years old. I, I'll, I'll be honest, I wanted to be in marketing, but I wanted to be doing Super Bowl commercials, not you know, <laughs> right. figuring out how to, you know, f- a funnel was going to work. So along the way, I, I got into marketing roles you know, always had an interest in marketing, you know, studied in my undergrad, went to do my MBA, focused on finance, dropped all those courses, you know, after the first semester and just went back and did more marketing courses. And, you know, so marketing was always a passion for me. It was easy. And when I got to a point in my career where I actually couldn't, I was kind of like frictionally unemployed without going into detail there. And I figured, you know, what better way to get into the areas I was interested, which was a combination of marketing and tech, than to go start something. And myself and, you know, Yoav, who's my co-founder here, he's more the product guy. I guess I'm kind of more the marketing go-to-market guy. And we complement each other well. And that led us to to start Uberflip back in 2012. And and the the vision was really based on this idea at the time that content marketing was on the rise, but content marketing was very much defined as let's go create content. And we kind of figured that that would reach a bit of a breaking point, not to set us as visionaries per se, but like it just, it made sense to, to us that once people had a shitload of content, they'd have a whole other problem, which is <laughs> what do we do with all that content? Right. And yeah. how do I justify all the money I spent making it? Well, the very simple answer there is ROI, but we have to we have to dig in and and say, okay, well, to get ROI, I have to use that content, and and that's really what Uberflip was founded around: is how do we help marketers leverage that content into their marketing campaigns, you know, to solve for whatever their pain point is along the buyer journey. Well, and so this gives this gives birth to that phrase, content experience, and and like you and I have talked about before, experiences. I mean, for me, it's almost a buzzword, and which is really annoying me. That's about to become a buzzword, but it is so critical in all elements of organizations, whether it be internal experience, your customer experience, how your salespeople make people feel, how marketing make people feel. But I've never heard the word content experience before. So how help help me understand that a little bit? Unpack that for me. Yeah, it's actually, I'll, I'll walk you through a similar CMO who I was speaking to who said the same thing to me at one point, but she was actually more like she had started to hear about it, right? And and she called me and she's like, you know, I keep hearing about content experience. You know, she talked about Uberflip within. She's like, I'm kind of intrigued. I think, and, and this is what she said, I think we're going to do this thing in Q4. Like we're going to start to do content <laughs> experience in Q4. And, and like the conversation was going well. So I felt like I could not laugh at her, but kind of chuckle. And she's like, what's so funny? And I'm like, well, just the idea of you're saying you're going to do it in Q4 would suggest that you're not already doing it. And what I went on to explain to her is that the idea of an experience is, as we understand it, it's like, how do we feel? What do, what do we see when we encounter something? Right. So when, when we talk about a retail experience, that's like when we go into Walmart or the Gap or wherever we go, what is that experience? Right. Like, what does it look like? How's the clothes laid out? All that kind of stuff. Same thing could be applied, though, when you start to think about content. Right. You know, it's not just how do we, how do we feel when we read it, but like, what is that experience on the website? How content's laid out? Every aspect of, of how we merchandise our content at the end of the day. And, you, you know, so I, I explained back to the CMO who's like, I'm going to do this in Q4. I was like, if you've created content, then you naturally have an experience because content experience is simply 
what it's like when someone encounters your content. So to say I'm not doing it now, the bigger question is, are you doing it in a way that's helping your business or perhaps even detrimental to your business? <laughs> right. Whether or not you're aware you're doing it, you're doing it. Yeah. I mean, your, your business, you know, Chad is, is like all about helping people, you know, sell better. Right. And, you know, one of the ways I, I've heard other, you know, sales leaders and marketing leaders talk about it is like, is your content actually helping you win deals or even worse, could it be helping you lose deals? Right. And, and that's just a scary thought when we start to think about it that way, uh, because there's a stat out there that I saw recently. It's a Gartner stat. And, you know, most of these stats that we usually see around the importance of content, they relate to like, until you speak to sales, right? Like you know, we've, we've seen stuff like 60% or 80% of the research is done before they speak to sales. But I would actually argue that even once they've spoken to sales, people are still doing research. In fact, that Gartner stat says, 82% of the sales cycle is spent doing research, not talking to actual sales reps. So when we think about that and we try and say, okay, well, you know, we're going to do all this research at different points. We think, okay, well, how are we laying out that research? Because I don't know what stats are out there, but I'm sure you have a good one on this. Like the number of, of companies someone will look at when they're evaluating a purchase and in B2B, it's usually at least two or three, right? Like we don't go all in on one. So if, if there's only 18% of that time spent speaking to sales and our goal is to earn, let's say there are three companies, we want to earn more than 6% of the time. Simple math. If we want to earn more than 6% of the 18% of time spent with sales, then let's just earn the same proportionate more than 33% of the time doing research. Because it's very logical to assume that if we can earn, you know, 50% of the, of the 82% of research time, then we're going to earn a proportionate amount of the time speaking to sales. So it's, it's very easy for us to start to understand that correlation. But to do that, it's not just about having great content. It's about surfacing it. Well, and that's, I mean, th- I think that's a big point of it, right? Any experience starts from designing, designing it in, in purposeful intent, designing it backwards from the intended outcome or the, or the emotional impact or hook that the individual you're targeting is going to have. And so, you know, everybody got access to the internet about the same time and all turned on Tumblr at the same time. So everybody started putting out blogs and there was, you know, there's this wash of content that really wasn't thought about strategically, at least in my experience, you know, having spent the first part of my career in marketing. And now we're talking about being, it sounds like you're saying you really have to be purposeful in it. So the question becomes, how do you do that? I know when I was doing digital experiences, you know, we did empathy maps and personas and customer journeys. Are are you talking about doing similar things as kind of a content map as well? Yeah, I, I would definitely say that it's important to understand your buyer journey and and start to think about what content is going to connect at different points. But I think it goes beyond that. I mean, I mean, I think you mentioned Tumblr within there, and WordPress obviously followed, and 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 a lot of us have have thought about okay, well, we create content, and we've heard a lot of people, you know, friends of mine like Ann Hanley and Jay Bear talk about creating great content, not just creating crappy content. You know, that makes sense. That's obvious. But where a lot of us fail, I think, is is the idea of how do we organize content? You know, how do we determine what content to surface 
to the right people at the right time. And a lot of the correlations that I'll often draw on, you know, in the book that I wrote, there's a lot of examples that look at the consumer world, right? This is back to when I was that 12, 13 year old and I wanted to do Super Bowl commercials, right? I was looking at consumer products that were kicking ass in the market. And you look at companies like Netflix and Spotify today, they're doing a great job at taking content, not content marketing as we think about it as a B2B marketer, but content is in the songs and the videos and things like that. But what they're doing with it is the opposite of the old school ways, right? I mean, you know, Netflix destroyed Blockbuster, not just because of, you know, the online streaming, but it's, if you get to the root of it, it's that I can find what I want when I want without having to leave. Absolutely. Right? Same thing with Spotify, the re, the way they've disrupted Apple music, which is pretty amazing that we don't give that one more attention is because they are surfacing and recommending content. That's interesting to us, depending on who we, regardless of who we are. So, you know, you probably have thousands of people who are listening to this podcast right now on their mobile devices. If every one of them, like, the person who's listening to this podcast right now, like take it, you know, leave this podcast running. Don't turn it off, but you know, go to Spotify, right? Open it up. And every one of you is going to have, actually, you could probably listen to this podcast on Spotify, but every one of you is going to have your own recommended content for you. Spotify actually calls that the made for you selection, right? And that's the way we have to start to think as marketers, because we're kidding ourselves if we think, that that's consumer world and we don't have to worry about that because the same emails that we're sending are going to that person's mobile device, right? So when they jump from the, watching Netflix on that device or Spotify to their inbox and all of a sudden you're just dropping them into the, you know, the blog to the latest piece of content and asking them to search for the content that matters to them, that's not going to cut it. What we need to do is we need to emulate those Spotify and Netflix-like experiences in our B2B websites. I, I, you are speaking my language. Like I, literally the cockles of my heart are warming up right now. <laughs> because <laughs> that, that whole experience, you know, you think about it, the mobile device is literally kind of the hammer that broke down the difference between a consumer and a B2B world. We have experiences now and our expectations come with us no matter what we're doing, right? Because we're all constantly uh, context switching. And so the question I guess marketers and, and I, I also want to look at it from a sales perspective, but when I start to think about it like that way, you're talking about applying large scale experience and media thought processes to something that many people probably don't apply that much processing power to in terms of really getting an understanding of the impact that they're having, the things that they need to create, the gaps in their existing content funnel or things of that nature. Where, where do they start? Where do people, I mean, where do you, where's the tip of that iceberg to start at? Yeah, Chad, I mean, you, you nailed it there. It's a big shift in thinking, right? And, and, and that was why I wrote the book. And that's why I dropped, you know, the F bomb on the title when I said fuck <laughs> content marketing. It wasn't just like I had to explain myself to a lot of people and, and, you know, even people who I respect who came up and, and really built that term content marketing to mean what it is, they meant for it to mean something very different than what it's become. They didn't mean for it just to be content creation, but it was, it became such a movement that we even saw members of our marketing team get job titles called content marketer, right? Like a lot of people listening to this probably have someone on their team who's right. called the content marketer, or they don't have that person, but someone on their team is responsible for content marketing. And usually that person is a writer, 
they're an author, they're an editor. They may have even come from the media world to your earlier point, right? They may have jumped over from writing for a magazine where you know things weren't going so well. And they said, okay, I'm going to go in-house and I'm going to create content. That's not where it ends though. That's just the beginning having that content. What we need to do to shift, as you said, to, to kind of map that journey and create that buyer journey that leverages content is we need more individuals in the organization to take a focus to content experience. And to do that, you know, there's different aspects that we, we need to prioritize. The, the way I really often, you know, keep it simple is to think about content experience in terms of the environment, the structure, and the engagement. And as soon as I say those words, without me going into detail, because this is a short podcast, when you think about those ideas, you start to realize, well, that has nothing to really do with creation. Right? You know, structure and, you know, engagement, like that's like demand gen team, that's digital marketing team, that's, you know, that, that's other people. But, but we often say to ourselves, well, isn't it on the content marketer to get content out the door? Right. And, and as I said earlier, these content marketers, they came from media companies, but they never had to get the newspaper onto the shelf. Right. They just had to put the content into the newspaper. There's a whole other team that did that stuff. And that's how we have to start to think of our marketing work. We have to think about, okay, who's going to take that content that's created and actually ensure that it's used throughout the buyer journey. Now, what we're seeing in some organizations is they're kind of redefining the role of the demand gen marketer, or for those who are invested heavily in ABM, you know, using content with an ABM strategy on the engagement side makes a lot of sense. You know, some more progressive companies have actually hired people with job titles like content experience manager or director levels of content experience. And those people end up kind of, if you will, Sitting as an intermediary between demand and digital teams versus the content team to ensure what's being created has a home. And I think that's where you were hitting it right on the head, Chad. It's like, you know, we, we have to get to the point where we start to view the buyer journey and start off with like a blank template. You can do it on a whiteboard. You can do it in an Excel spreadsheet. You don't have to get fancy and look at all the different steps that someone's going to go through and determine what piece of content you have to surface. And how do I actually do that versus send someone to my website and get them to just search? Yeah, it's much more than, it's much more than that, right? You have to be just like, I use the Amazon app example, right? Everybody loves Prime because it'll deliver what you want, where you want, and it'll allow you to access recommendations. You know, the same kind of thing as the Spotify, but those expectations come across. Now, I actually saw, we're in this interesting place where you have the macro marketing challenges around buyer journey and all that. And then you have kind of some of the micro um, AI personalization. I actually met someone whose title was something along the lines of conversational marketing experience director. And it was, and I mean, we're getting a little, you know, I used to joke everybody, everybody and their brother had digital transformation in the, in their title for a while, but, but we're getting to the point where the, the macro and micro, we're trying to take it so far apart that I think some organizations lose sight of that sweet spot, which is again, staying focused on the individual, what they need when they're, you know, low interest, low awareness versus how do you transition them through their research process to high interest, high awareness and do that in a way that as along that path builds trust and credibility and rapport so that when they talk to sales, sales is hopefully enabled to not bumble that and turn it into just a straight sales conversation, but continue that journey. That's a, that's a tall order for a lot of organizations out there. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting that first of all that job title is a mouthful, uh, <laughs> but uh, and, and and don't get me wrong, I, I think conversational marketing is definitely on the rise. Companies like Drift are doing a great job driving that. Uh, some really cool stuff happening there with platforms like that. But that's just that, that's just a medium, right? Conversational marketing is a medium, just as marketing automation platforms, which are really just fancy email platforms. You know, nothing against them too. They're really awesome and strategic. But what we need to do is, as marketers is move away from thinking about just the medium and think about where our audience is and the different points that they're at. Because we have to map and hit them on in so many ways. Uh, you know, we, we talked earlier about that Gartner stat that 82% of the time is spent doing research. They don't sit down necessarily in one seating and do all 82%. <laughs> you, know, you build, you know, you also build in the fact that, you know, Gartner's CB, you know, report has historically said that, you know, the numbers upwards of seven different people are waiting, waiting into a B2B buying decision within, you know, within your, your account that you're targeting. So you've got all these different people and you need to be able to hit them in different ways. So I personally think we've got to move away from just having a job title like the email marketing person, the conversational marketing person, you know, the inbound marketing person. It's just like, we need marketers, right? Like, <laughs> this, you know, like what, I, you know, I, I, believe me, I'm not, I'm not, you know, innocent on this front. You know, my team's probably just as complex with all of our titles and things like that. But like, you know, what's wrong with just being a marketing manager who's going to figure out how to go after the market? Now, I know larger teams are going to get to specialization and things like that, but, you know, we really have to think outside of those mediums sometimes and think about how do we ensure that, that we're matricing the, the entire marketing team's go-to-market strategy. And that, to me, is where content experience comes into play because whether you're executing ABM or demand gen or inbound, you know, these are a lot of things that us as marketers, we go to a conference and we like talk to each other like it's, you know, like it's soap opera, right? It's like, what are you doing with ABM? What are you doing with inbound? You know, what are you doing? What are you doing? So we talk about all these things, right? Like nonstop. We, it, I, I would say that people don't talk a lot about content. Like I, I actually think it's almost like, it's almost like the, the modern day social, right? It's like, eh, I don't know if there's really any ROI on it. So I'm not going to talk about it as my strategy. But if we're talking about inbound demand, ABM, sales enablement, you said sales, right? Yep. How do you execute on any of those strategies without content, right? So it's, it's kind of within everything that we do. And the question is, how do we serve stuff that's going to make those go-to-market strategies more meaningful to our audiences? Yeah, make them efficient, effective, engaging. Make sure you can still, from a business standpoint, measure them, amplify them, you know, do your A-B testing uh, when you need to take a little bit more pragmatic approach to it. All again, never losing sight of, at the end of the day, this is about an experience. And while all this effort goes into creating an experience, it does not take much to screw it up. Right. Absolutely. To create that horrible experience. You were talking about research. And it's funny. I mean, I've been in prop, man. I've been, I come from when phones had cords, right? So I've been doing this a while. So I started the marketing thing and then jumped into the dark side of sales. But I literally, I'm, and this is probably too much information for my audience, but I'm literally looking for a new condo. Like I'm going to move. Right. And so I, I'm doing my research. Like I've started thinking about, it, as you said that, and I can tell you, I've hit. Multiple sites, multiple cities, all of these things. I've hit it from my iPad. I've hit it from my computer. I've hit it from my phone. I've even picked up when I've been out in about in cities, picked up those apartment condo guides, right? So my research is, is legion. But if you could track me and find me, it would be even that much more 
compelling for me. Now I'm intrinsically motivated to do that, right? We all we all need a house, right? We all need some place to live, some place to call home. And I happen to be having the opportunity to make that move. But as I am filling, feeding my head, it's coming from all of these different places, and I won't spend time with content on my phone that's too long form because my computer's better built for that, right? Or my or my iPad's better with the video or whatever that is. Now the data is there. If they were truly interested, they could track me. I'm really curious though, as you look through this, have you seen an experience, one that you can just point out and go, you know what, aside from Spotify, something that maybe somebody isn't as aware of, that's just, you go, wow, that is a really great content experience. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question. And, and you don't see it often, but I am absolutely seeing it more and more. You see too much where they're not leveraging all those data points as you hit on. The truth is we, like you hit on there, we all want to be tracked. We just want that tracking to be used in a way that is valuable for us, right? Like no one complains about the fact that Netflix personalizes or Spotify personalizes. In fact, very few of us, you know, complain about Google, right? You know, like, you know, our Google search is not the same for every one of us anymore, right? It's no longer like who's ranking the top everywhere. It's, it's like, what's a personalized search result for you based on everything that you search, where you are in the moment, et cetera. So what we want is we want those same experiences when we go to people's websites. Now it's interesting. There's a customer at Uberflip that we work with called Snowflake. They're a great company who's executing really well in the EBM front. And, And I often talk about them as a great example because Daniel, who oversees their, their, Daniel Day oversees their ABM strategy there. He told me recently that over 50% of their content views are now coming from more direct one-to-one ABM pages that they're creating. So they're going after an account and they'll assemble content that's handpicked for that account. And sure. what they've, what they've noticed now is that over 50% of the views of their content are coming from these ABM streams. Now they're targeting like 1200 accounts. So it's not that much. And what's interesting is the company as a whole, they're not so worried about aggregate views anymore. They're just realizing it's about getting the right content in front of the right accounts that are going to engage with them. Now that's a different strategy than say an inbound strategy. And depending on you know who's listening to this and what your business model is, I'm not telling you go all in on ABM. I'm saying, you know, evaluate what your goals are with your content and determine what you need to serve. For some of us, it's it may be a, a level higher than a, than account level. It may be industry level or vertical level or you know geographic organization of content. A company called Stantec that works with us more in the architectural design business. They they make sure that you know they're a global company regardless of what region. They make sure you have the right content for your region when you get to their website. So it's it's about making sure that people don't have to go sifting through to find what they're looking for, right? Those were the Apple iTunes experience back in the day, the blockbuster experience. That's why Netflix and Spotify killed them, right? And that's your opportunity as a B2B marketer is how do you look at what all your other competitors are doing? Because I bet you what a lot of them do as a terrible experience is they organize their content by something like format. Right. Like, shut up. Sure. You've seen it. We all do it. Like we're all guilty of it. It's like, you go to our website and we have like the video page. We have the page. Some of us are maybe still into infographics. We've got an infographic page, but like no one comes to our site and says, Hmm, what do these guys do? You know, let me check some videos. No, they say like, I'm coming to your site. I have this problem. Help me solve the problem. Right. So for snowflake, they would know what those problems are. 
at the account level, but also at the level where someone's coming in. And, you know, this is where you pull back to that, those data points that are out there. You know, there's there different platforms out there that we can use. We have a, a really strategic partnership with a company called Bombora. And Bombora allows us to leverage third-party intent surge data to understand what companies are surging on in terms of their search. And then we can serve content that actually matches to that. So we, we start to leverage that same degree of AI that you spoke about in, say, Amazon. Excellent. I mean, that, it's just, I could go on and on for hours, but I have to ask. There's one question I know everybody out there is going to kick me if I don't ask. So, okay. So we do the personalized, you know, we get the content experience. We get that nailed down. And, and in the B2B space, then, then in that last 18%, they talk to sales. How, how do you help ensure that the experience you've developed from a content standpoint is supported and amplified rather than, um, destroyed <laughs> yeah. by a, by a crappy salesperson. Yeah. First of all, I, I don't think it's fair to call salespeople crappy. No, I, I know, but like we've worked with, but, awesome. but we got to remember like when they're, when they're failing at that, it's not really their fault. It's the marketer's fault. Like, that's what I always say. Like, and I'm the marketer, right? So I, I'm, I'm like taking blame here. And, but it's funny. It's, it's actually funny to watch the way salespeople usually look for their content. This is what they do. Like go watch it like over their shoulder in a very discreet way. They will go to find your own company's content on the most logical place in their mind, which is Google, right? Like they will literally go to Google and they'll be like, you know, let's say your domain is just domain.com. They'll go to like Google, they'll search domain.com. And then they're looking for a PDF. So they'll do that like type semicolon, you know, dot PDF, right? And then what Google does is they index all the relevant content over time. But that's not necessarily what you want them to drop in the email because Google's indexing over time. You want what's relevant to you and your organization this week, this hour, this minute. So how do you expect them to go find that content if you don't put it in front of them, you don't tag it, you don't organize it? So it comes back to some of those ideas I said with, with you know, managing content experience. In fact, you know, I developed uh, over the last number of years a framework that I, I really unpack in the book that I wrote on how to manage content experiences at scale. And it looks at, you know, taking the first step of centralizing that content. You know, that's making sure we have access to all of it, getting to the point where we organize that content. That's making sure that we tag and everything that we need to do. Then we can start to personalize, right? And when we personalize, the next step is to make sure that we distribute back to those personalized experiences, right? What sales reps do all the time and I have a, you know, I do this big presentation where I, I show this and it's, it's people laugh their ass off, but like people will send someone to a, watch a video about their platform and they'll send them to YouTube to watch it. Right. And I just find it hilarious because, you know, that's their gut. Like this sales rep, they're like, that's where my video lives. So I'm going to send them there. I found the URL. I searched Google. It told me that we have a great video there about how our product works or a thought leadership piece that's living somewhere out on the web. I've attached it as a PDF, but there's no journey there when I do that. There's no next step. In fact, on YouTube, we may be sent down to watch one of our competitors' videos or Adora the Explorer video, yeah, right? Like it's watching cat scary. Video. It's scary, right? So, so we need to think about how do we arm everyone in our organization? And I would argue that, that that's the responsibility of marketing. We need great sales leaders who are open to that and receptive to sales working with marketing and not going rogue per se and trying to, you know, come up with, you know, the best email cadence that they've ever done, right? Because the, the problem there that happens, and this is why you say sales reps are bad at it, is they all just try and 
innovate off the other one, right? Like let's say you have a BDR team. BDR number one writes often the best email ever, right? And then BDR number two sees that one and they're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to put my spin on it because my spin is going to be the best one. And that happens like six more times as your team grows. And all of a sudden BDR 11 writes his spin and marketing looks in, they're like, what the fuck are we selling? <laughs> right? It, because it, it no longer connects with the overall messaging because it's been so diluted. And that's where I say it's on marketing to help control that. We, you know, we need, we definitely need sales to put their creative edge on it and to select the pieces of content. But to do that, we need the right infrastructure in place to help manage that content at scale. And that's where that content experience framework I walked you through that goes on to you know, distribution and generating results really comes in, in in terms of that five-step process. Perfect, perfect. All right, let's change the direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first is simply as an executive, that makes you a prospect for sales professionals. So I'm always interested to know when somebody doesn't have a, a, a reference or a referral where there's not somebody they know that can introduce them to you, what have you found or what works for you if somebody wants to get in front of you, earn the right to 15 minutes of your time, capture your attention, build credibility? What have you found to be the most effective when somebody doesn't have that referral or that intro? Yeah, I, I would say that it's important to be personalized. That's that that to me is the key. And there, there's a lot of ways to do that these days. I mean, some of it can be as simple as an email that truly feels personalized, right? Like don't don't let me see an unsubscribe button at the bottom on that first touch, right? Like don't throw me on, on a, you know, a cadence through a sales loft or a, or an outreach. I mean, those are great platforms, but you know, do that to drip me later. Like the first touch point, like really try and win me over. You know, the other ways to do that within are, you know, use personalized video, like use a solution like Vidyard that's got their, I, I think they call it go video, you know, show me your face and show me that you've done something creative to stand out. So I, I would say that personalized touch is, is really the key. It sounds so simple, but so few, few people are actually taking the time to do it. Yeah, the, the time we're actually doing it well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So true. <laughs> All right. Last question. We call it our acceleration insights. There's one thing you could tell sales, marketing, consultants, one piece of advice that if they listened to it, you believe would help them achieve their targets and crush their quotas. What would it be and why? Oh, that's a good one. I, I mean, I, I already burned the personalization answer. <laughs> and so I, I, I can't, I can't go there. I, I would say that. That, that a focus on experience is, is the key, right? And, and it's, it's a very simple way to think about things, right? That we don't do enough. You know, I, I gave that example at the beginning of retail, right? You know, when we're walking through a mall, we decide whether we're going to go into that store before we go in, right? Not once we're in. So like consider your website, the lobby, right? Or consider the email that you're sending out the lobby, right? It's, it's that grand entrance. And if it looks like crap, you're not walking in. You're not walking <laughs> into that store. So, so many of us, we just send out an email and we, we think that if we put six hyperlinks, they'll figure out the one to click, right? You know, it's like one CTA really simplifies things for a lot of us, you know, in this overwhelming world that we're in. Keep your messaging, you know, focused and figure out a way to, to drive someone through that experience. That's what Spotify does, right? That's what Netflix does. It recommends a short amount of content for us to choose from. Once we're in, before we know it, we're binging, we're consuming, we're engaging. And the more we engage, the more we're going to earn 82% of that research time and 18% of the sales uh, time. 
Perfect. Randy, if the listeners are interested in talking more about these topics, best way to get in touch with you, hit the website. Uh, of course, they need to go buy the book uh, mm-hmm. on Amazon. Of course, they need to do that. But mm-hmm. you prefer website, LinkedIn, what works best? Yeah. If you want to connect with me. LinkedIn's a great, uh, great place to do so. I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, you know, definitely follow me or connect with me there. You can get the book by going to b-rand.com. So it's like brand in a clever way. Randy is, <laughs> is often shortened to Rand by my friends. So, you know, too much thought went into that one. Uh, <laughs> but, but ultimately, like if you want to learn about Uberflip, I, I wouldn't even go to our main website at first. I would learn about content experience and then, you know, then come back to us, you know, go to uberflip.com slash CE. CE is in content experience. We, we've got a whole bunch of information just to understand that category and why you should prioritize it. Once you get to that point, like I always say, text the last thing you should buy, right? You know, hire great people to run this stuff. We talked about that today. You know, put a great process into place. That framework we talked about is a good one. And then hire tech to allow you to scale. Excellent. Randy, I can't thank you enough for taking time to be on the show. It's been amazing. Thank you. Awesome, Chad. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. Check us out at b2brevexec.com. You know the drill. Share with friends, families, coworkers. And until next time, we have Value Selling Associates, which you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.